Welcome to the Friday, March Madness version of the Clemson Dubcast. We are, I guess, I don't know, four hours away from Clemson tipping off in Indy against Rutgers. Plenty of last-minute final thoughts and analysis of tonight's first-round game at TigerIllustrated.com. Also, bright and early Saturday morning, going to have some fresh analysis from Paul Strilo and yours truly. Title sponsor of the Dubcast since the very beginning, back in August of 2018, Parm Smith and Archenhold Law Firm in downtown Greenville. They want you to know that their office remains open and available to serve you during the COVID-19 crisis. They are also offering their clients the ability to meet via telephone or through video conferencing. Whether you have a loved one who has suffered from a car accident, defective product, a neglectful nursing home facility, or medical malpractice issue, Parm Smith and Archenhold's Greenville lawyers can provide the protection and guidance you need. Free consultations, 864-990-4581, or on the web at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solution, You can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Okay, to our interview with Jonathan Gant, we're going to tackle the name, image, and likeness uh, ball of yarn, I guess. Very complicated stuff, but very fascinating stuff, among a bunch of other things. All right, here we go. Enjoy. All right, joined by Jonathan Gant, who's titled at Clemson as Associate AD uh, creative solution for Creative Solutions at Clemson. How you doing, man? I'm good, Larry. How are you? Doing well. We were just talking for a moment off the air um, just about what the last uh, nine to 12 months have been like. And what has it been like for you um, just going back to the summer? Uh, I was telling you like how ecstatic I was just that there was a season at all. Yeah. So it was hard for me to complain about any of the any of the modifications to media access and all that. Um, what were things, how, how do you look back at the summer compared to now and, and sort of where we are and where we thought we might be or not be at the time? Yeah, very, very boring. Totally normal, right? Just like every <laughs> other off season. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was intense. Every bit of it was really intense, I, which just across society, you know, from a personal standpoint, I think everybody was, was all feeling that, um, you know, at the initial part, not knowing what was going on and then. Um, you know, everybody, I know, I know you've got kids and, and trying to do the education thing while, while doing the career thing. And, um, it's, it's been a crazy year. And in particular, that, that is uh, kind of July and August was, 
was really intense because there was so much just hanging in the balance at that point where it just seemed like it really could have gone either way. And so I'm like you, I'm very, very grateful that we played games and that um, especially all those guys, all our student athletes, uh, not just in football, but in every sport got to have their, got to have their seasons and got to play as, as strange as it was at times and as, and as difficult and frustrating as it was at times with various aspects of it. Um, certainly there was a lot to be grateful for, but yeah, it's been, a like everybody, it's been a, a pretty crazy year. I remember, I forgot what the date was. It was August camp had started and I mean, it was like a Friday and there started to be speculation about the big 10 was mm-hmm. going to shut it down. And then people, I'm getting texts from friends and such. Hey, is, is, what's going on? And, and then I texted somebody over at Clemson. I said, Hey, is, is everything okay? I mean, is it, are they, is this not going to happen? And the response was basically, it's not looking good and it's, it's not going to be a fun week. And mm. that was the moment where I was just thinking, Oh man, this, this is not going to happen. <laughs> what, mm. what are we going to do for the next three or four months? And so what do you remember? You, you mentioned there were some really difficult uh, times for you. Do you remember when sort of the, everything sort of came the reality of it or the, the, likely reality i guess of it came to to a head for you it was very much that week that same week because like i i um i guess i was still thinking about it fairly optimistically every everybody had their own way of of looking at it but um that week all of a sudden it became like a very very real possibility and maybe even at some point uh likelihood that it was going to get canceled and um and I started to realize, especially that day with the Big Ten and the Pac-12, that that everything was leaning that way. And normally, you know, just dealing with reality, when things, when dominoes start falling like that, like, usually that's how it goes. And so it was, I don't know, I don't know all the conversations that took place and uh, and everything that happened that, that people made the decisions that they did, but uh, that, that took a lot of, of courage for sure, uh, for the folks who were in those chairs that, that had to make those decisions because it was, it was definitely, the wind was blowing a particular direction. And I remember even being on like a staff phone call with just my department, because, you know, like everybody, we were doing zoom calls every couple of days and, and we were still working, like, especially our group, uh, almost went into overtime in the, uh, while everything was shut down because it was like the one touch point for uh, fans and recruits was through, through online, through digital platforms. And so um, we really tried very, very hard and worked really hard to try to come up with a lot of unique and new and different things as well as resurfacing old things. So we had been plenty busy. I think maybe that's why some of the reality hadn't set in for me yet is because we, we had been, you know, firing on all cylinders in my, in my specific department. But then that week, you know, you're on phone calls and I remember telling all of them, I said, you got to get off Twitter. I I had to get off Twitter because if you looked at it, it was just like, it was just bringing, it was a roller coaster ride that was just making you nauseous. And it was like, you just got to get off Twitter. Whatever is going to happen, it's going to happen. And, uh, the one thing that I really always felt, um, 
some comfort from, and I tried to relay this to them was there is something really, really great about having people like Dan and Dan Radikovich and Graham Neff and, and coach Sweeney and president Clements. And, uh, when you know that, that you have leaders like that who are in those conversations, you, you know that they're going to do everything they can. That doesn't mean that they can make something happen. That's not going to happen. You know, and you got to understand there are limitations, but you knew that they were going to do everything they could to try to, to try to do the right thing, whatever that was for the people that they were responsible for. Uh, and that was a, that was kind of a one reassuring thing for me throughout all of it. But yeah, that week was particularly tense and definitely felt like it was like on, on some weird tightrope and you might, you might go one direction or the other, but somehow everybody managed to walk it and couldn't be prouder of everybody at, at Clemson and, and throughout all these universities and conferences that, that like achieving a season is just, I mean, it's a, that was a special thing. And I know that there was a lot of difficulties with it and not everything was the same by, by, by any means, but being able to have all those home games and being able to play that season, that was a big deal. And uh, it's weird to say just playing the games was an accomplishment, but it was for sure. I guess the obvious follow-up to that, uh, when we're going back to that specific weekend and week, is the uh, the we want to play movement that yeah. was at least a major factor. Um, I'm just curious with your domain being social media, can you take take me back to uh, your earliest recollection of when that first got started? I know that Dabo. Uh, it was maybe after a practice or something when he was getting wind of of the ominous sort of signs. And so he told his players, Hey, mm-hmm. uh, paraphrasing based on my recollections, but basically saying, Hey, if you guys, if you, if you want this to happen, you need to speak your minds. And, and that, and that's sort of the, the layman's version of how Trevor and, uh, Darian Rencher, I guess, and others and Justin Fields. And then was yeah. it, I guess some, was some Stanford player, a Stanford player, maybe I forgot, but anyway, I'm just curious to yeah, get your, some pack 12 guys. Yeah, I'm just curious to get your sort of behind-the-scenes TikTok of of what happened there. Yeah, I, so, I mean, I was watching it a lot. Like, I mean, there's certainly some things that I'm aware of or maybe privy to that the average Clemson fan is and your average football fan is. But at the same time, there's plenty, there's plenty that I'm seeing at the same time that they are. And uh, there was definitely an element of, of, like, watching all this unfold um, that was – Certainly one part fascinating, but also other parts, uh, you know, just kind of scary of like, are we going to have jobs, uh, you know, next week? Um, but the, we want to play specifically, you know, I remember when, when Trevor tweeted and it was like, oh, wow, you know, that's, that's going to get plenty of attention. This, this guy in particular saying this. Uh, everyone, every news channel, every sports channel, at least, is going to be talking about it. And um, that was that was the thing that I thought was was special about that particular uh, forty eight hours, or however long it was, was that there was so much talk about the student athletes and about their well being and about what was best for them. But prior to that point, there wasn't a whole lot of hearing from the student athletes or at least including their perspective in that conversation. There are a lot of people talking for them uh, nationally 
as opposed to actually hearing directly from them. And I don't think uh, prior to that point that I'm not saying nobody had said it because I'm sure people had been saying it, but that was the first time that it really got anybody's attention of like, no, the student athletes want to play and not, not, I, you can't speak for everybody. Uh, you got to be real careful of that. I think there's been too much of that uh, where you're kind of lumping everybody all into one particular opinion. Uh, so I'm not saying all student athletes wanted to play, but, but there were obviously a lot of them that felt very passionately about wanting to play and prior to that, I just don't think that had been an important element in the conversation for one reason or another. And uh, I think it mattered. Like I said, I'm not, I wasn't in the decision seat. And so it's hard to tell what factors outweighed others, you know, with all the factors that those folks were dealing with. But to see how quickly it, it got picked up and, and was everywhere was certainly... Um, a really fascinating, you know, case study. Uh, and I think it was just really important for people to hear from the student athletes because their perspective was obviously an important one. And, and I'm glad that it happened when it did because I, I have to think that it had some level of impact on how things unfolded. Yeah, if you think about it, sort of backtracking to March and April, everything gets shut down. And so for months and months and months, you have this, you mentioned the, the sort of the national media voices and the narrative was, or, or a big part of the narrative was, oh, well, you know, it's one thing for professional sports to come back amid a pandemic because that's their jobs. But, oh boy, you, you can't have, have it happen to student, you know, in, in college because then you'd be exploiting, you'd be just doing it for the money. And... You never heard the, you never really heard the the voices of the college football players, in particular, and the athletes in general until that happened. So, yeah, it was a pretty significant pushback on that sort of common theme of, oh, these athletes are exploited, therefore they all feel like they're exploited and they don't want to come back. <laughs> it was quite mm. quite a, the reality, I guess, was quite a bit different. Yeah, and that's the that's the important thing. It's if you're having a conversation about somebody, you know, let's hear what they have to say. And and it maybe you don't you don't know what that's going to be. It may be maybe there's a situation where it's totally different. Uh, but at least in that one, uh, there was a lot of speaking for them that was happening. That that I think that that particular 24 to 48 hours was was eye opening because you got to hear directly from. Uh, people. And I think it was somebody, I can't remember what it was, uh, some big account like retweeted, I mean, among the thousands that retweeted them, I can't remember what account it was, but it was like, oh, wow, this is, uh, this is about as mainstream as it gets. So, yeah, it was a, uh, and all of us, a lot of us on the staff were just kind of watching it happen and watching it all unfold. So there's definitely some element that I'm a part of it, but then there were also some elements back at that time that it was like just watching it like everybody else. It was crazy. Jonathan, can you maybe give a short synopsis of what your job entailed when you got to Clemson? What was that? Was that like 2014? Yeah, I got uh, late 2013. I think it was October or November. And uh, I get to tell people that my first Clemson home game was a Thursday night game against Georgia Tech. Uh, so that was my first experience. 
experience with a Clemson game day. We saw a Thursday night, which hadn't happened in like over a decade, I think. Uh, yeah, started then and um, got brought in by, by Joe Galbraith and Tim Match. Uh, as you know, and I think most you know folks who are really in tune with, with Clemson Athletics know at this point that it was, it was kind of a new age of, of communications for us, which is not exclusive to Clemson. Uh, that's something that's happened throughout the entire college sports industry and pro sports industry where uh, really it is more just the microcosm of, of what's happened uh, in society at large where now everybody can be a great photographer and videographer with just a phone walking around in their pocket. And now everybody can share that content to the masses, to the world with a, you know, with the press of a button, uh, thanks to social and, and web. So it was an opportunity for Clemson to, to start, you know, telling our story and marketing and promoting specifically to, to the people that we were trying to reach, which of course the two biggest groups there recruits and fans. Um, and so got to be part of that transformation while still having folks like Tim Beret and Brian Hennessy, uh, who, who had established, you know, Clemson sports information department is one of the best in the country. And so we, I, I love the balance that we were able to achieve of, of, uh, and being able to be good stewards, uh, to folks like yourself, to the media, while also, uh, being able to bring our, our athletic department, into this kind of new age of, of sharing important stories that are, that are happening throughout athletics and sharing what's special about Clemson with the world and being able to capture. I mean, when you think about that between 2000, late 2013 and now all those incredibly special moments that have happened, being able to capture and share those and, and have like the best digital scrapbook ever of, of a college experience for our student athletes who have come and come and gone during that time. So that's how it started out. Um, it's grown and grown since then, which has been awesome to be a part of. Very grateful to have been at Clemson to have come when I did. I'd certainly had the luckiest timing of, of, of all time, uh, getting here when I did and, and the football program taking off the way that it did and just so many great people to work with. So now, um, you know, it's basically still the same, but there, there are some new things to it, I guess, just because in that span of time, things have changed a bit. Uh, so the, the quickest way to explain it is uh, we basically have an, an internal creative or marketing agency in the athletic department, and I help to run that, that agency. So videographers, graphic designers, photographers, um, capturing a lot of content, uh, for event coverage, but also telling feature stories, trying to focus a lot of what we do on recruiting, answering the question with every post that we create, answering the question, what's it like to be a Clemson Tiger so that a recruit, uh, wherever they are in the country or even in the world, when they're following along on their, on their phone, on social media, they can see a glimpse into what their life could be like if they came here to, to be a Clemson student athlete. So taking campus to the recruit is what we're really focused on. And, uh, the platforms change and they have changed and uh, some of the ways that we apply that strategy have changed. But at the same time, like that's still what we're focused on now, however many years that is seven or eight years later, we're focused on bringing campus to the recruit, engaging fans, uh, telling the Clemson story, answering the question, what's it like to be a Clemson tiger? The idea is um, I tell people we're like the fresh oil for the machine. The machine of Clemson Athletics was here before us. It'll be here long after us. 
uh, and it's a machine that runs, but hopefully we're making that machine run better, faster, stronger, because a coach can get a commitment a little bit easier, you know, because a recruits, uh, been all revved up by seeing the content that we put out or, a an IPTE, uh rep can get a donation easier because uh, um, somebody who's, who's making a philanthropic donation to us sees that the way that the money gets spent is is really making an impact on young people. And maybe it's easier to sell a ticket than it used to be because we're doing something to get people uh, feeling excited, feeling some sort of emotion that, that connects them to Clemson, gets them excited about Clemson. Uh, gets them to want to engage with Clemson that hopefully makes everybody else's job easier. So if we're doing what we're supposed to do well, then we're like fresh oil for the machine that, that makes it easier for everybody else. Is there a misconception among fans who think that you're generating this for us and they don't understand that so much of it is generated for recruiting purposes? Um, I don't know. I'd have to, maybe you've got a better pulse on that than me in terms of the misconception part, but I can say that, uh, I could look any donor in the eye or any Clemson fan in the eye. And I could say, I'm not, I'm not making this, uh, primarily for you. And the reason I can say that is because the next thing I'll say to them is that uh, I know that the thing that you care about is your, your team's winning and winning the right way. And so the reason why I'm not primarily focused on you is because I am primarily focused on recruits because if I can help bring the best character, most talented student athletes to come to play for our teams at Clemson, then that's going to give us a a better chance to win more games and for everybody in the entire Clemson family to have a better experience, including students and fans and faculty, everybody. Um, And so if we really focus on them and do a good job of, of helping our coaches uh, recruit better, um, then then everybody is going to benefit from that. And at the same time, like I said, the content strategy is answer the question: What is it like to be a Clemson Tiger? You know, if I actually went there, not just what happens, I, I see what happens on TV during the games, but what's it like in the facility? What's it like around campus? What you know? What is life like? What am I going to experience? Well, guess what? If we do a good job of answering that, yes, it's focused on recruits. But almost any fan, if you ask them what they want, they want to feel like they're part of a team. You know, they want to feel connected to the team. And if they're getting to see what it's like to be a Clemson Tiger, then they're going to feel that. So um, I think a lot of our peers focus entirely on fans, and I'm not faulting them for that because uh, there is a revenue piece that you've got to be able to to bring in the funds that can make all these things happen. But we've always felt that if you focus on sharing all the amazing thing that's the amazing things that are happening here at Clemson with recruits first and foremost, that the rest will take care of itself. And uh, obviously, there's no, no bigger needle mover for this decisive than athletic department than recruiting. Uh, and so, by by taking the resources that we have and focusing them very uh, narrowly on that, it allows all those other things to to benefit from that so hopefully our fans um don't take that as a slight because certainly it's it's meant to benefit them as well and hopefully they get to enjoy seeing all the, the behind the scenes stuff and seeing what it's like to be a Clemson tiger every day yeah if you're producing interesting behind the scenes content it doesn't matter who it's for it's interesting to anybody you would think yeah i think the, like a vlog for instance you know we we basically came up with our own digital TV show uh, 
years ago, and I and it was primarily made for recruits. Like the idea was, how, how do you show the village without it being boring? Like how do you talk about all these different resources that a, a football student athlete has, or, or any student athlete uh, at Clemson has? without it just being like boring five minute videos where you're just doing boring interviews where somebody sits down at a desk and explains their job, you know, like we knew we wanted to tell that story, but we had to find a format that was going to make it interesting and engaging for a teenage audience. And so we make the vlog, but if I'm a Clemson fan, like I would love to watch that thing every single (laughs) week because you're getting to see stuff that you would never see otherwise. And it's, in effect, is like a really cool show uh, right right now, weekly, uh, that, you know, that's it's really interesting to me as a fan. So there's a good example, I think, of, yes, it was created for recruits, but if you're a fan, like, I would think that that would be very interesting to you as well. And certainly the numbers in terms of the viewership has, has shown that because it has had, uh, it's, it's done really, really well and been really successful from a mass appeal standpoint, but that's how we think about everything. If, if we're doing a great job of most, if we're, t- if we're talking to recruits, we're going to be talking about how great Clemson is and showing all the great things that we have going on here, which is like, that's just, that's right in many fans wheelhouse, you know? Yeah. Well, was there a period of time when the blog or the vlog, sorry, went on hiatus? There was, uh, we just came back, um, from a very, very long hiatus. We just couldn't do it in 2020 because, uh, COVID protocols just made it impossible. Uh, we really had to take a lot of steps back in terms of the content that we were able to capture throughout the week. Like, Game days, certainly we were, we had way fewer people, uh, and it was way scaled back, but we could still capture a game, you know, but throughout the week, when you got all these COVID protocols to work within, like there's just not much room to have a camera most places. And there's not much opportunity to, to do what you would need to do to create a vlog that's interesting. So yeah, it was on hiatus, like, like a couple of different things over the course of the last year, but luckily we've um, gotten to a point where there's a little bit more room for that sort of thing now. And, uh, was very excited to bring it back this uh, spring, I guess this winter, we brought it back about a month ago. And like the first episode had over, uh, almost 200,000 views. So I think the fans were excited that it's back as well. I got a lot of positive comments on it. Um, so yeah, it was, it was one of the, uh, unfortunately one of the things that had to be kind of shelved for a little while, while, uh, while everything was going on and, and still dealing with a lot of, of working within the protocols. But uh, we felt like we got to a point where we could at least put something together and have been able to do that uh, the last month or so. Well, uh, the one similarities, I guess, of, of our, our jobs is they're both very much idea-driven. And <laughs> it, when everything got shut down, in in april uh how, how, i know it was hard for me and hard for people in my industry to to you know to think of new new stuff to new ways to write about stuff that when the stuff that wasn't happening <laughs> um yeah. what, was, what was it like on, on your end and going, going through the same thing yeah you know when i first came to clemson um, I had I had previously been working for the Tampa Bay Rays in Major League Baseball, and I was part of the PR staff 
there, which is very much, very much like a sports information staff here. And I was, and I was more of a traditional PR person. Like I did, I wrote pages and pages of game notes every day. Um, I like handled the, the monthly magazine and like all that sort of stuff to, to set up interviews, coordinate interviews. And then it was really just a matter of, I happened to be born at an interesting time. Cause like my freshman year of college was when Facebook came out. And so as I was entering the workforce, social media was kind of like first being planted, uh, into the market. And as I was in those early years of my career, it was starting to become a thing. It was still really early on, but because I had some experience with it just from personal experience, um, through my, my college years, I was able to bring some of those ideas and start handling some of those things for the raids, for instance, because previous to me being there, they didn't have anybody locally handling social media. And so I was able to understand people who were, it was like a foreign language to them. They didn't grow up with it. They, they feel like it's, uh, they don't understand anything about it. I was able to kind of be a middleman between them and the people who now, like they don't know a world without it. And, uh, just because of, you know, when I was born. So when I got here, that was a really long backstory. But when I, got okay. here, um, I, I was thinking of the, the, the trend back then around 2013, 2014 was like, be your own media. Uh, in terms of like, if you were a sports team, you know, you could be your own media. But the thing that, 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 that just doesn't work for a college athletic department, for instance, is like, Larry, they think like you're a reporter, you know, at the heart and soul of it. Like, yes, you, you create all sorts of interesting content, um, in various formats, but you know, you're reporting news. That's, that's kind of a major driving force of it. And like an athletic department is not going to report news. Like I'm not going to, Clemson B is not going to be the first one to tell you that someone suffered an injury, you know, or, or the, like there are things that are crucial to your, to your business and to your, um, editorial approach that like don't make any sense for us to be doing. And so once I realized my first six to nine months was just a lot of listening and learning. And once I realized that recruiting was like what drove everything. And then once I realized it, like it doesn't make sense to be our own media per se, that's where the, the creative agency thing came in. And so for you, you know, I'm thinking about, about tradition or like thinking about news media during that time of summer of 2020, um, had challenges that were different than ours. Uh, we had, I, I probably had a lot more, uh, green lights on things because it was like evergreen stuff. And it wasn't, when I say evergreen, it could be posted any time of the year, no matter when it, it's, it's not timely at all. It's relevant at all times. Like that's really what we do every single day. And so it kind of played to a strength for us that we had this mountain of content that we had built up over the previous six years that we could resurface a lot of great old content. That was the first thing I did to kind of break the ice Cause it was like, I mean, you remember there were several weeks there. It was like, nobody in the country knew what was exactly going to happen. And, and everybody was just, uh, waiting to see like, what is this and how bad is it going to be? And so we were silent for some period of time. And then once we kind of got out of that phase, the, the first thing that I did to break the ice, uh, to get us back posting on social media was the Clemson ball. 
and just literally going back to like some of my favorite projects from the last six years or the ones that, that, that were received the best over the last six years and just resharing those things um, that again, they were not, they weren't any, they weren't newsworthy, they weren't timely, but they were, they were fun, entertaining content that people could see that hopefully was a little bit of a distraction for them. And again, was just sharing everything that was special about Clemson. So yes, we, we didn't have as much going on uh, in terms of current events that we could capture. Like we couldn't have ever produced a blog because there wasn't enough happening with the program at that time to, to produce something like that on a weekly basis. But we did have a lot of great, you know, creative agency, evergreen recruiting content that we could share that we had made previously, which allowed us the flexibility to create some new stuff. But I think that's one way that Clemson was really far ahead uh, and got ahead um, during that stretch was that we had, we didn't, there were lots of people that were scrambling to try to pull that stuff together because they hadn't been doing it the last six or seven years, but it's a credit to our leadership that they made those decisions and investments, you know, almost a decade ago that when you couldn't have a camera, just go anywhere and be anywhere. And when you didn't have anything going on, like we still had a lot to share. We still had a lot of good, good uh, quality stuff to, to send to people. And then that gave us the freedom and the flexibility to the availability to create some new stuff. And uh, we did a lot of great, really cool, innovative remote recruiting is what we called it. Remote recruiting stuff over the course of the, spring and summer that I was really proud of. And, and I think made a difference for our coaches during that time and, and was able to, to have Clemson come out of this head. I don't know if we're out of it yet. Uh, I wouldn't say that we are, but whenever, whenever we all come out of this, I think Clemson will be in a good spot uh, from a recruiting standpoint, because we never took our foot off the gas in terms of being able to engage them. And we had some really, unique things that, that everybody around the athletic department, all our different programs did to, to stay in contact and, and stay in the minds of, of the folks who are going to come here and, and make a difference and have a great experience and ultimately continue to help Clemson be the best that it could be. You said there have been a lot of changes with platforms over the last six, seven years. What's been the, the most uh, significant my answers have been so long-winded so far. I'm going to see if I can do this. Precisely. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> there are a lot of uh, homogenized, I think is the word. Like there's just a lot of sameness now. You know, when you think back 10 years ago or so, these platforms were different. They did different things and they were probably focused on one specific thing. And now they're all kind of like kitchen sink apps where they all try to do everything you know you can go on instagram and like good grief there's there's all sorts of different things to do there it's not just a photo app like it was at the beginning and same thing for for all of them um and so that's one of the the real big challenges is that it's just a sea of sameness not just with the platforms but now sports teams at the college athletic department, they're all doing this. When Clemson started this, we weren't the first, but we were, we were very much early adopters. And so it's like going to, it's like finding this great new beach that the tourists haven't found yet. <laughs> and you you can catch every wave and, you know, everybody sees you catch every wave. And that's really what 24, well, like 2015 through 2016 felt like 
it felt like we were at this beach that nobody had found yet and we're, we're catching every wave. And then all of a sudden, you know, 2017, 2018. And since then, like all of a sudden you start seeing more cars in the parking lot. You see more people getting out of the cars and getting their surfboards out. And all of a sudden the ocean's real crowded and you can't catch every single wave. And you're lucky if you can get one or two and, uh, it's, that's the real challenge now is, is as everybody else has, has invested and tried to do similar things, how do we continue to make Clemson outstanding? What do we do to make Clemson unique? And, you know, to go back to the blog as an example of that, when we made, we made uh, our name off of short form social video. And what I mean by that is like, video content that was like 10 seconds or less, even six seconds or less because Vine was still a platform back then. There's one thing that's changed. Vine's not around anymore. Um, and the thing that we did differently was that we were packaging stories in like six second videos and we were shooting it like it was a movie. So we call it, uh, I call it cinematic short form social video. Boy, that's a really long term, but, um, it looked different than anything you'd ever seen on social media because you were used to cell phone videos or you were used to broadcast video. You weren't used to seeing movie-looking, you know, cinematic content that was packaged in five-second bites. And that's how we made our name. And then everybody else started doing that. And so it was like, well, we can't just keep doing this because everybody else is doing the same thing, and now we're not standing out. We're, we're not providing a competitive edge for our coaches anymore. And so if everybody else was zigging, then we zagged and said, all right, we're going to start making long form, quote unquote, long form vlogs where now we've got six, eight, 10, sometimes as long as 28 minutes, uh, vlog content. That's a little bit more like a TV show almost. Now it's a, it's a different format, but we started doing that and we were the only ones doing that for a period of time. And then you saw a bunch of people start making vlogs. And so, that's the challenge is um, everything really has kind of turned into a, a, the same thing. And there's also a lot of people doing the same thing. And so what can you do to make Clemson stand out and be unique? And it's sometimes you get moments where it's very clear what that is. And then sometimes it's like, it's a, it's very much a struggle to try to figure out how to be innovative and how to be next. And uh, you want to try to force the issue as much as you can and manufacture those moments, but sometimes you got to wait for things to develop to, to be able to have a new lane to drive in. So, I, boy, I said I was going to try to be concise, and now 10 minutes later, here I am at the end of my answer. Sorry, Larry. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Harris flooring has been a major part of the facilities enhancements over at Clemson, not just with athletics, but also at the university level. And we are thrilled that they are a part of the Dubcast as a sponsor since 1947. 
The Junkins family and Harris Flooring have provided a unique shopping experience through value in their services, developing the right product solutions, and delivering on their promises. To check out some reviews on their work, just go to their Facebook page, Harris Flooring America. Rave reviews. Just first class all the way. Phone number 864-642-6183. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. The reason for this conversation after a half hour of, of other talk, um, the, the, David Hale of ESPN had a really really interesting article on the coming uh, name image and likeness uh, legislation and the 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 revealing part that he focused on was um, how the notion that that only the major superstar type college athletes in, in football and men's basketball are going to be able to make money off of endorsements and such is very flawed because right now there are a number of um, women's basketball players, volleyball players, gymnasts who are basically have the equivalent of, of followers that, that would allow them to make a lot of money in their own right. And and some even in the, I guess the NAIA has all uh, last fall already um, passed legislation that, that is allowing their athletes to, to profit right now off of it. And so speaking of long-winded soliloquies, that was a long-winded way to, to get into this topic, but it's super complicated. And I'm trying to put it into layman's terms. You're, so a, a big part of your job now and, and, and in recent years has been um, helping these athletes who are already on campus to sort of cultivate their brand with the with an eye toward the day when they will be able to uh, profit from their name, image, and likeness. And, am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, I mean, it, I don't want to sound too overblown, but I, I don't think I'm I'm getting too far out when I say that it is it is very much potentially a foundation changing uh, shift you know, for college athletics where, I mean, this has never happened before that you would be able to profit from your name, image, and likeness. And so it is a major, major new uh, era that we're entering. And here we are in March and it could be happening in just a matter of months. And we still don't really know what the rules are going to be, you know, like we'll probably have some general idea, but what a crazy situation that, that that's the case where, um, you know, this potentially could go into effect over the summer and there's still not a, a whole lot of clarity on exactly what it's going to look like. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a, there's a lot to it there's so many aspects of it. There's the, there's the compliance aspect of it of like, what are the rules? How are you enforcing the rules? Which I know is a big thing that everybody's worried about and they should be worried about that because, uh, you know, it, it looks like it could be a potential huge area of of issue in that regard. And then you've got, you know, educating the student athletes on 
you know, I'll, I'll get into the brand building stuff, which is one side of it, but like, how do you even start an LLC? You know, like yeah. that's something, if you're, if you're going to want to profit off your name and your likeness, like you're going to have to start a, uh, a business. Otherwise you're going to get hit with that self-employment tax. And that'll be a hard lesson to learn. And so like, even stuff like that, there's got to be some education pieces. And then there's the marketplace, which nobody really has a great feel for what it's going to be, you know, until those dollars start actually being spent. It's just kind of a guessing game and all the different players that are going to be driving in that, that lane. And you've got offline where local markets are, are kind of come into play and like, autograph signings and this and that, what happens you know, the offline activity and how important is your local market to, to how much you can maximize your NIL versus online, which is, you know, more of obviously our department, what I've been focused on of how are you presenting yourself on social and digital and what kind of audience do you have that you can monetize on behalf of brands. And, and then even, you know, kind of, tangential to that is, is the marketing support of the athletic department of like, what are they doing to help you grow your presence? What are they doing to help you grow your brand? So there's, there's just a lot of pieces to it and there's a lot of question marks still outstanding. Uh, but to your point, what we have been doing for years now is trying to help student athletes with that education piece of, of helping to grow their, their brand, helping them to understand who they are and what, what they want to represent, uh, and, and being how, how that can translate online. And then, um, even that is very different than like quote unquote, what my day job is, you know, cause everything we've been talking about so far, like is more of what my responsibilities are. Yes. There are some major differences in, in focus, but the actual responsibilities are very similar to what I would be doing if I was just working for some corporation. Um, and so it's very much more of like a, a business focused aspect of things as opposed to, or in contradiction to more of an education, uh, and service model for student athletes. You know, it's, it's easy. It's, it's not impossible to go back and forth between those two things, but they are two very different things because one in one approach, I'm trying to make Clemson FB as big as it can be. I want that thing to hit, you know, we're up to, I think about totaling like 2.7 million followers for our Clemson FB social media accounts across all the different ones. And like, I want that to grow as much as it possibly can because that's, that's growing the brand that's growing reach and, and being more influential. But now or at least in the last couple of years and certainly more urgently now, we're talking about 110 social media accounts on, you know, just for football student athletes, much less the 500 plus for all of our student athletes that, that you're trying to help grow. And those are two very different things. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's something we've been doing for years to a certain degree and now it'll be interesting to see how much it shifts or how much more of a focus it will be. I, clearly it will be much more of a focus. I just mean, I don't know exactly how much more of a focus it'll be to do the education and service part specifically for student athletes to try to help them grow their accounts uh, moving forward. There's a lot we've been doing and a lot we're doing now and a lot we've got planned, uh, but it's still a whole lot of question marks hanging out there too. Clemson is a partner with Open Doors, which uh, was founded 
in 2013 by two uh, former Nebraska football players, um, and it provides platforms to help athletes share social media content. Um, you guys were one of the first to, to partner with them, I, I guess, was it in 2015, I read? Yeah, way back in 2015. I like to tell Blake Lawrence, he's one of the co-founders. Um, I like to tell him that we were the first. I think that his alma mater was probably technically the first, Nebraska, uh, but that doesn't really seem fair. So I think that we were <laughs> we were the first, and it's a cool story where I used to, I told you I used to work for the Rays. There was a peer of mine, a guy named Josh Tucker, who worked for the Los Angeles Dodgers at the, uh, while I was with the Rays. He took this job at um, uh, what's now called Endeavor, uh, which is this massive uh, global uh, company that, that started as a talent agency and, and still is that, but does a lot of other things too. And he found out about open doors and, and reached out to me. It was like, you gotta, you gotta talk to these guys. Cause I think this would be really great. So we got on a call back in 2015 in the middle of that crazy season that we were having, as you well remember when, when Clemson all of a sudden skyrocketed to the, to the top of college football that year. Um, we had a call with them and like, I was, as you can imagine, it was just swamped because it was, we were dealing with all sorts of stuff that we had never dealt with before being undefeated at the time. And, uh, you know, a top team in the country. And so we made, I was like, it sounds really interesting. I just don't have time to focus on it right now. Cause their, their big play back then was getting content to alumni to help grow your bank. Cause it's influencer marketing at the, at the end of the day. And influencer marketing is when, I mean, it is what it sounds like. You you find some sort of celebrity-ish, uh, influential person who has who has a following of people, and then you try to get them to, uh, in some form or fashion, endorse your product. And so it was about like connecting our content to alumni and having them promote you know our teams and different things that we were doing. And so they were like, we'll help you get it started. And they were really really great at the beginning, where they did a lot of the behind the scenes work to get content to people like. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Taj Boyd and, and all those folks we had, uh, you know, former players who had a bunch of social media followers. And so we were, yeah, we were one of the first college teams to get into that space. And it's crazy to see how much it's grown since then, both in pro sports and in uh, college athletics to where you have to be partnered with one of these types of companies. Cause you've got, first of all, you've got to have the software that, Gets, you got to have the tools to get the content into the student athletes' hands in an efficient way that they're actually going to use. I can't, I can't. We're not going to email it to them. It's, it's crazy that it sound like there's an app where they can actually go and see all their photos and videos of themselves and quickly download it and quickly share it to social media. Uh, but the way that it's expanded now is those companies also handle a lot of the education pieces that I was talking about, where they can help supplement what your athletic department may be doing. Uh, in terms of providing programming, educational programming, whether it's just self-serve, click through an online portal and watch different tutorials or actually in-person sessions where they're teaching about something specific. Um, and proud to partner with Open Doors. Blake Lawrence is a tremendous guy. He's been a huge uh, help to, to us over the years. And we kind of looked at it like uh, – you know, we, this NIL stuff is, is like this jungle that we've never been in before and we don't know how to navigate it. And we saw Blake as like our jungle guy, you know, somebody who could help us, uh, with the machete, you know, cut through <laughs> all the, uh, all the brush 
and be able to, to successfully navigate through this stuff. And certainly he's been that his entire staff has been great, but um, yeah, well, that's a little bit more background about them and, and what we're doing with them. And um, certainly a big part of our, of our NIL activities and efforts over the course of the last year and, and with them over the course of the last, uh, however long that's been six or seven years. Was, was NIL on there in your radar back then? Like, or was it just like you said, it was just your creating influencer content to help promote your brand? It definitely wasn't on mine. It was, it was what you just said for us. It was on theirs uh, because they were doing it with pro athletes and have uh-huh. been all along. And that's one thing that, that, again, we felt really good about about Blake and, and Open Doors was that they, have, they also have a marketplace where, you know, Johnny or Jane athlete can actually get endorsement deals just through their platform where a company can actually, the entire transaction can happen on open versus platform where they get the request. And if they, they post the, the sponsored post that they're supposed to do, they actually get paid and all that. Like they have an entire infrastructure built around that process. So they have a marketplace that has basically like that switch has just been turned off for all college partners for the last however many years, <laughs> but it has been happening in the pro athlete space for years now. And so they, I don't know that anybody was like, NIL is definitely coming soon. Cause I, I mean, I was um, surprised when the announcement happened when it did. Uh, but at the same time, like, I don't think it took, I don't think it was like coming out of left field necessarily. Uh, but at the same, so while they weren't necessarily preparing for it specifically, they did have an entire business and entire infrastructure that was set up that literally it was just like, okay, now this is going to be accessible to the college athletics market now. So that was a big thing of why we felt comfortable with them. And, and, uh, and I'm sure that them and all their, all their peers, uh, that's a, that's a big part of the conversation right now for everybody in our industry is, is student athletes using, those marketplaces to be able to to profit from their name, image, and likeness. So, what's the arrangement like with Open Doors? Like, sort of in layman's terms, like you guys pay them, and they have a representative, like actually at Clemson, who's doing this, who's taking the photos and videos and stuff. Well, um, so they're a, they're a vendor. So, like, think of them that way. Um, you know, and that's the technical term in, in nicer terms, they're a partner, uh, but they're a vendor. And so they, what they provide us is the software. And then, like I said, for NIL specifically, some educational components of like actual education sessions for student athletes on, on brand building and different things that you can do with your online presence. But the main thing is the software and then everything else is up to us. So like one of the main people who's been, who's been really maximizing that partnership with open doors this past year is Tyson Hutchins, who's our senior director of creative solutions. And has really just done so much to help us, um, get every, uh, bit of value that we can out of that partnership. He's helped lead, um, along with Jeff Cowan and our entire athletic communications department. They've, they've uploaded and tagged, uh, thousands and thousands of pieces of content for our student athletes to access. 
And actually, just last week, or maybe two weeks ago, we were named Open Doors' College Partner of the Year for this past year. And they've got about, I think it's about 20-plus Power 5 schools. And we beat out, like, we got that award, and we beat out places like Texas and Oklahoma and LSU and Penn State, um, a lot of a lot of big names, Auburn. We beat all them out because the, the biggest reason why was because our student-athletes, just in the time since we signed that, that specific agreement, which was like back in July of 2020. So whatever that is, you know, eight or nine months, just in that span, our student athletes have downloaded over 30,000 pieces of content, wow. which is far and away the most of any open doors client. Now they can't download that much unless our staff is getting it all into the system. So Tyson and everybody in athletic communications, has really done a great job of making that a priority this year. And what is what is abundantly clear to us after nine months is that if we put it there, student athletes value it. They will they will come and get it, and they will use it. Use it, and that's good to know. You know, there's, there's no guessing there anymore. We know that this is important to them. We know that they will use it if we spend time doing it. And uh, the other thing too is we had the third most student-athletes onboarded of any school uh, with Open Doors, which is a big deal, too, because, like, Clemson's a smaller school. doesn't have as many programs as some of those other ones that I mentioned, these big state schools. And so our folks, uh, both the staff and the student-athletes, just made just did a great job of actually getting value out of the tool. So Open Doors provides the, the software, provides the platform to us, but it's really up to us to maximize that. And I can tell you, like I told you the story about how we first started with open doors. Like I wasn't personally maximizing the value of open doors back in 2015. They were helping with me with that at the time. And there were some years where maybe it wasn't a priority for us, but over the last couple of years, it's become more and more of a priority for us. And obviously it's a really big deal now. And folks like Tyson Hutchins are helping us lead and win awards like that. Uh, and ultimately really impact the student-athlete experience because of the focus that they're putting on it and the effort that they're putting on it. Because that stuff doesn't happen without people doing the work. You know, you got, after games, you got to go through all those photos and videos. you got to tag everybody, and that takes a while. And uh, so it's, I'm glad that they were rewarded for that they got that, that uh, announcement for all their hard work over the course of the last year. Some other schools, football programs out there, are very out front to recruits with what they're going to do for them from a branding perspective. You guys are a little more, a little quieter. Um, is that just, you're sort of playing your cards close to the vest, being strategic with uh, just sort of waiting to see what things look like. And then you sort of, yeah, I think that's a good observation. I, I and I think that some of that is purposeful, but then some of that, uh, maybe has happened without us necessarily realizing that that kind of um, difference is, is visible, you know, from the outside. Um, but some of it has been purposeful. And, and I, I think part of it is because Clemson is clearly operating from a position of strength, right? You know, it, there are some schools that maybe are either trying to get back to prominence or trying to get to prominence for the first time, but like this is a big opportunity for them to act quickly and to get, uh, try try to maximize this as a new way to to gain some ground, and uh, Clemson's not necessarily operating from that same position. 
you know, we've, uh, we clearly have a good thing happening and a lot of things to brag about. And this is one of them because, uh, what I can tell you behind the scenes, it's like, we had a really, really good story to tell, uh, on this topic. And there's a lot of, of great evidence that we have of why Clemson is really, really well positioned for this particular area. And a student athlete therefore would be really, really well positioned by, by coming here and being able to benefit from all the ways that Clemson has innovated over the course of the last decade in particular uh, with departments and people and expertise and resources that are going to specifically directly help them with, with this name, image and likeness uh, area that's, that's starting now. So, you know, I I think that um, it'll be interesting to see once actually how, how rules come out, once we get into it, how proactive and how, how publicly um, communicative people are on this topic. It's just a real tricky one right now where if there are schools out there that are, a lot, that are making a lot of big promises or even throwing out actual dollar figures, like you just look at that and I hope people are taking it with a grain of salt because it's too soon you know, to, be, to be real demonstrative uh, or specific with a lot of this stuff because we don't even have rules yet and it's never happened before. And so to say definitively that this is going to happen if you come here in terms of actual dollars or that sort of thing, that's, that's probably a step too far, but we are, we are, and, and can tell a very, very good story with regards to the resources that we have that can benefit, you know, a recruit if they choose to come here that, there's a lot of ways, like I say this a lot, but I think the only reason you don't come play football for Clemson is if you want to live in a big city. Cause other than that, like, I don't know how you would say no. And this particular element of recruiting, I feel the same way. I think that the combination of, of resources and benefits that, that we have, Clemson's just lined up really, really well to be successful in this area. But we got to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing as a staff to to get ahead of it, be ready for it, and then and then adapt and uh, to to everything that takes place over the course of the next couple of months, and the next couple of years, to make sure that that Clemson is that it is an advantage for Clemson, and that we are helping to make sure that we can stay ahead. Because, like you said, that's really really hard. It's a whole totally different challenge to get. You know, getting to the top of the mountain is one thing. Staying there is a different thing. It gives you a great appreciation for, for you know, people like Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. These people have stayed at the top for so long. Cause that's that's really hard and that's really different. Um, but I'm confident with from an athletic department standpoint, with people like Amanda Richardson and compliance, Stephanie Ellison, Tim Match, Jeff Callen, Graham Knapp, with like that working group, I feel really confident in them. I feel really confident in the football recruiting staff. Obviously, all the coaches, but specifically. You know, Jordan Searles, DJ Gordon, Ty Clements, Joe Robbins, Matt Williams, everybody, Tyson Hutchins, like I was saying. There's a lot of people who are who are making sure that Clemson is well positioned for this, that um, that there's there's reason to be confident uh, that, that Clemson will do well in this area. The David Hale story I mentioned earlier, he focused on the Cavender sisters who are Fresno State uh, women's basketball players. 
Uh, they have two yeah. two point seven million followers uh, on TikTok. Uh, they're stars well beyond the sport that they play. Uh, and then Blake Lawrence, the CEO of Open Doors, who you meant, who we talked about earlier, he said the Cavender twins collectively have almost as big of an influence in terms of value as Trevor Lawrence. Does that surprise you? <laughs> no, uh, because this is a this is a totally different way of looking at it than we have been previously. Um, when you're watching on TV and you see a national broadcast and you see those kinds of you know quote unquote superstars there that, that are household names, that's one thing. But there's this whole other arena that that maybe hasn't been around as long, but has just as much purchasing power, uh, just as much influence, I should say, in in, in what's happening in the, the digital stratosphere. And so, you know, it's crazy to see how many followers people have on some of these accounts that, like, you would never know them on traditional media because they just have not, they, they haven't built up their audience there. They don't have that kind of, they're not in that, that lane. And yet they are extremely influential where they are. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that much because I'm aware, just because of my job, I'm not saying I would personally be up on all this stuff. Like Because of my job, I, I pay more attention to it than I probably would otherwise. But there's just a whole uh, category, a whole group of quote-unquote influencers, which I, I don't even like using that term. It just sounds uh, kind of lame. But there's a whole... <laughs> group of, of people, important people with a lot of influence that are in these, are on these platforms that you just are not going to see on, on TV or in a newspaper or something like that. But that doesn't mean that they don't have huge pull with the people who are following them. Like there's a guy named David Dobrik who we bring up every now and then in our office that he just became a huge star on YouTube through daily blogs. And is like an internet superstar and you would be amazed at what he's able to do from an activating his audience standpoint and a monetization standpoint. Like he has huge, huge influence in terms of getting his, his audience to, to convert into dollars and cents, but you, you really don't see him on TV and there's, there's a whole section of America who doesn't even know who he is. But then there's a you know the, the folks who are spending time online who everybody knows who he is. It's one of the biggest stars on the internet. So I think we'll see some of that um, come to the surface in college athletics over the course of the next couple of years. And that article that David did was a good example of it. That uh, there's people that you don't know are huge stars that are huge stars right now, and they're going to be able to capitalize on this name, image, and likeness thing probably quicker than everybody because they've already, they clearly know how to build an audience and now they're just going to have to activate that audience in whatever form they choose to, as opposed to there's going to be some people who have lots of influence, but they're not used to, to taking the next step of converting that influence into some money into their pocket. So it'll be really, really interesting to see. I'm going to be really interested to see at Clemson. There, there is someone there are people, there are student athletes at Clinton that we don't know are going to be huge, are going to be huge uh, with this and are going to be big players of this. And we don't even know it yet because maybe they're not the, 
they're not number 16 with the long hair behind center who you would think. Now those people are, you know, people like Trevor and anybody of that caliber is certainly going to have plenty of opportunities in this uh, realm as well. But David's absolutely right with the, with the main message of that article, that it is not in any way limited to them. And it's not like you can, you know, an athlete can, you know, wake up and post a video of him, Self or herself drinking a cup of coffee. I mean, it's still about ideas, and you got the frequency of posts and things like that. So I guess that's where you come in to advise these uh, these athletes on how to sort of cultivate their brands so it's attractive or can be uh, attractive enough to to monetize it ultimately. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's just like the weight room, or it's just like your performance on the field. If you're not putting all that work in. Uh, early mornings, you know, practicing certainly with the team, but like doing extra reps by yourself and doing all that mental and physical preparation, you're not going to perform well. Uh, you're not, you're not going to be outstanding when it times to actually, when it comes down to play the game, it's kind of the same thing here. I mean, it's just like everything in life. You're going to get out of it, what you put into it. Yes. There will be a percentage of, of people who are mega stars, whether they lift a finger or not at, at this stuff because they are great uh, athletes and, and it'll all come easier to them in terms of being able to make money off of it. But for everybody else, like it just depends on how much time and effort you put into it. And it's going to take time and effort for most everybody. And that's a challenge with being a student athlete. I think that's a pretty well told story at this point that like time management is the biggest skill you got to have to be successful as a student athlete. And now adding this into the mix is not insignificant if you're really wanting to, to make something of it. And so that's going to be a choice that student athletes have to make is how much time am I willing to commit to this? And yes, uh, that's something that, that, that I can do and that, that hopefully we, we start to develop resources around consulting those student athletes about how to, I mean, fortunately I've had opportunities to consult uh, over the years, but I've gotten some practice at it where it's not just, I've just been doing my job at Clemson, but I, I know how to come in as a consultant and, and go through that discovery session where you, you ask and try to draw some things out from the client that then you can organize into a strategic plan. And that's the process that, that, uh, I think athletic departments are going to need to go through to help their student athletes. And it's, it's lots of times a one-on-one -on -one conversation. That's a hard thing to scale because every person's different. And yes, you can have a one, one education session with 500 people in it and you know, it'll be okay. But to really give someone really quality guidance, you're probably going to have to get on that individual level, you know, at least to some extent. So uh, David mentioned it in his article, but sitting down with a student athlete and going through that discovery process helping them understand who they are, what they're trying to represent, what their goals are, what they're trying to achieve. You start with the question of why, why do you want to focus on this? Because if there's not a good answer to that, then don't worry about it. You know, move on and focus on everything else that is important to you in life. But if you got a good reason why, then let's develop a plan around that. And I really enjoy that process. And uh, I really enjoy being able to, to talk and learn more about student athletes and help them craft a plan for, for themselves and then it is it's up to them to how much work and how much time and effort are you going to put into it because for most people it is going to require that if you're ever going to see uh, any return from it 
Jonathan, I could talk about this for five hours, but uh, you've given me you've given me a lot of your very valuable time. So uh, really appreciate uh, you you sharing your insight and making making time to talk about this. It was my pleasure, Larry. If you had just asked me one question, we probably one more question. We probably could have made it to the five-hour mark. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. If you ever want to talk about it again, or if fans are interested in it, uh, or your audience is interested, in it, clearly I can talk about it for five hours. So I appreciate the opportunity. Always good catching up with you, and uh, very excited about about the era that we're going into, and, and Clemson's opportunity within that, and uh, and really the entire college athletics industry and how it's going to evolve uh so exciting times ahead and uh and appreciate the time to talk through it with you today all right thanks so much to jonathan gant for joining us and sharing his time also appreciate of course our sponsors for helping make this possible most of all thanks to all of you for hitting play on this every week everybody have a great weekend be safe cheers